As vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs, we're often adapting to a new reality. This new podcast series from Vegan Mainstream is an opportunity to help you when it's time to pivot. These interviews will come from inside and outside of our community, and I hope as your host, Stephanie Red Cross West, I can inspire you and give you the tools that you need to move forward. Um, so I was uh, raised in a very uh, Indian family, although, you know, we lived, we, we spent a fair bit of time outside India, but mine was very much, mine is very much a, an Indian family. We, I was raised vegetarian. Um, and then I have, I've, I've always been, uh, I was always involved in, uh, animal welfare, you know, I used to volunteer at shelters and, 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 and things like that when I was in university. Uh, but somehow, you know, growing up back in the nineties when, you know, you did not have internet, um, you know, one didn't really make that connection between consuming dairy and, what goes on with animals in uh and uh, what what animals go through in dairy farms and the meat industry uh i turned vegan much later uh 12 years ago to be precise and um that was literally off the back of a two-minute conversation which i had with a colleague uh back in the uk when i was working there and uh it was uh it was it was in the cafeteria in, the, in our workplace where, you know, we were waiting for our lunch and uh, the, the meat section used to be busy and the vegetarian section used to be, you know, not so busy. So I was, one of, the few guys, so I was one of the few guys waiting there. And there was this other colleague of mine, you know, I, I didn't know him, you know, he was from some other part of the organization. And then uh, it was a five minute wait. And I, you know, I casually asked him if he was vegetarian as well. He said, no, I'm vegan. And, uh, and then he said, you should go vegan too, you know, because the dairy industry kills calves. I was like, done. And that's how I went vegan. So it was, I went cold turkey. Uh, it was literally off the back of a two-minute conversation. And uh, I don't think I've looked back since. Oh, that's great. It's wonderful when you meet another person and they can kind of, you know, give you a little bit of perspective on it. But it's pretty awesome that you just needed that small encouragement to really make make that leap. Um, do you, do you ever keep in touch with that person? I'm just curious, or that was just more of a conversation that happened and, and went. No, I mean, we, uh, d- there was really no opportunity to, um, stay in touch that way. You know, he worked in a, a different part of the organization and, uh, he did, we, we did run into each other from time to time and, you know, uh, but we did not really, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to him for, you know, that conversation and a, you know, he 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 ended up inspiring a very powerful change in my life, for which I'm very grateful to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, to answer your question, no, we we haven't kept in touch. Yeah, it's amazing the people that we meet like in life that can that can change our whole trajectory, you know, in, in our lives. Um, but sometimes they're there for a brief moment of time. So you mentioned, you know, you were working in the UK, you were working in the UK, you had this experience. Maybe walk us through a little bit of background. What was it like in corporate life what was it like in that position as a vegan where you know living the life and then also i think when we talked a little bit before we got started you let me know about how you guys started um kind of bringing people together to create some camaraderie so maybe let's tell the audience about that as well yeah so i mean this was 12 years ago veganism was still you know very much at at its infancy Mm -hmm. um there was i i'll 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 
let's maybe just focus on the corporate aspect of it. So most uh, large corporations, you know, they have cafeterias and, uh, you know, the, the typical challenges that vegans and perhaps, you know, vegetarians as well face is the risk of cross-contamination, uh, you know, uh, food being cooked in the same sort of uh, cooking surfaces and uh, utensils and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is not enough information on uh, uh, on in terms of labeling the, the the food items that have been prepared in terms of what they contain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get almond milk or soy milk that easily in the in the in the ca- coffee and uh, you know tea counters. So I did uh, I did try to you know talk to the cafeteria to see if you know any of these could be changed and you know uh it shouldn't surprise uh, people that you know i really didn't get anywhere with it you know with, with those conversations did not really go anywhere uh again through uh you know a stroke of luck a few of us uh i happen to know a couple of other vegans in the organization and you know we used to have uh, an internal company chat platform you know where uh, you spoke to colleagues, and I think that is something that a lot of corporations these days have. So you know that's that's probably something to note for what I'm about to say. Um, so because we had uh, uh, an electronic platform to uh, get together, mm-hmm. uh, it helped us uh, group ourselves formally as a vegans club. So we we kept it very open. We said. Non-vegans are welcome. Meat eaters are welcome. Um, we are open to all kinds of views. Uh, it's just that the the main purpose is not so much to defend veganism, but just to raise a bit of awareness about veganism. Just let people know that we are uh, a group of people who you know believe in this philosophy. So, uh, but what also happened was as soon as we we made ourselves into a formal sort of group. Uh, it meant that when we had conversations with, say, the cafeteria, we were taken much more seriously because it was not one individual going. It was more than one individual. It can be just three. But, you know, once it's a formal group, you know, you're all of a sudden taken much more seriously. And two of a uh, couple of things that, uh, that I would like to mention that we actually managed to affect uh, uh, changes in the cafeteria where there used to be a, there used to be a stir fry cooking counter. Uh, to make stir fry, you know, uh, with mm-hmm. meat and uh, seafood and you know vegetables and so on. So we actually managed to get ourselves a separate stir fry counter, a cooking surface for vegans, which uh, which it, it does take up space, uh, admittedly. But you know, we we're quite pleased and actually we were pleasantly surprised that they actually agreed to have a separate cooking surface for us. And it goes on to show how much change you can actually uh, affect if you are a formal group. And the other thing was that, you know, uh, information in terms of labeling uh, food items in terms of what they contained also uh, was uh, much better. So, uh, yeah. And then and then lastly, we did uh, it did it did let us do a few fun things as well. You know, as colleagues, we went out uh, once a month. We explored uh, vegan restaurants. We explored non-vegan restaurants. We would dial and say, you know, we're a bunch of. 10 vegans showing up and, you know, please could you make sure that, you know, we have some vegan options this evening. So all of that, you know, um, meant that you, uh, we could, we could affect changes in our workplace and, you know, we could also uh, let neighborhood restaurants know that, you know, uh, let them know that. For 
for veganism, for plant-based food. There's interest. Um, yes. So yeah, yeah, I love that. And I also like, I love what you said about the group wasn't necessarily to defend veganism. It really feels like your group was more of a bridge. It was more of the experience. It was more of even allowing people to come in who may not be ready to be, you know, getting the vegan tattoo, but they want to explore. They wanted to go to restaurants. They wanted to get a better understanding. And I, I think it's so important that we as vegans have groups like that as well. Um, we definitely need the hardcore vegan groups, but we also need some groups where people can come in, explore, hang out, um, and really feel like they have a friendly environment to um, to learn. And also, like you said, about create demand and explain the demand in local restaurants, explain demand in the cafeteria. So I think that's it's great what you were able to do. And I really hope some of our listeners today, if they're struggling in their environment, they maybe use some of that advice. So let's fast forward to today, or let's I guess fast forward to 2020, I guess. Um, and let's talk about maybe how the year started for you in your business, and then maybe give us a comparison of where things are today. How much or how have things changed with your... Actually, you know what? I, I should have done a backstory question. First, let's give everyone a little bit of understanding of the type of business you have. Um, I forgot I knew because we talked in the beginning. So let's tell them the type of business you have and what business you had when you originally started. And then we can do the comparison of how it's changed post pandemic. So um, I run I run a business called Tamu Tamu in a city called Chennai, which is uh, in Southeast India, which is where I'm from. Uh, it's the only vegan uh, restaurant stroke cafe in, in the city at the moment. Um, we, for, for reasons that I'll explain in a minute, uh, we, we look for foods that are, are accidentally vegan. We don't look to veganize anything. And the reason for that is a couple, there are a couple of reasons. One is that, uh, veganism is still very much at its infancy here in India and to actually, uh, offer vegan alternatives for, you know, what people otherwise consume. There's really not much of a market for it. And I don't know if there's much acceptance as well. So there is much less resistance if you, you know, went with something that was accidentally vegan and appealed to the uh, culinary preferences of, of, of this part of the country. So uh, we zeroed in on uh, Mediterranean food, you know, falafels, hummus, pita bread and so on. And, 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 and that cuisine we thought would be something that offered a lot of vegan alternate th things that were already vegan and there was no need to veganize and would ho would actually appeal to the customers here. So Tamo Tamo started literally as a falafel and hummus shop in uh, back in uh, 2019 last year. Um, and then uh, because of local business circumstances, we fairly quickly realized that, you know, cafe was a uh, cafe or a restaurant was not necessarily the way to scale things up, scale the business up. So mm -hmm. uh, late last year, we uh, sort of changed our trajectory a bit and began. We still we still run the restaurant cafe, by the way. It has helped us, you know, build a brand, define the brand, understand the brand ourselves and so on uh, mm -hmm. and, and see customer feedback. But in terms of what we thought was the way to scale the business up, we moved away from wanting to expand the cafe or open new branches. We instead started focusing on meal boxes uh for meant for corporate custom uh, you know uh, workplaces and families and homes so uh 
the, the a typical indian meal you know uh, if you went to any indian restaurant a traditional indian restaurant usually shows up in a plate it's got you know half a dozen to uh, a dozen different things in 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 small bowls various different kinds of vegetables lentils and so on soups and so on a bit of bread or some rice in the middle so that's typically how a vegetarian indian meal is formatted so the idea was uh, when when we designed the meal boxes uh, the vegan meal boxes the idea was very much uh, to for our meal boxes to look and feel like what uh, a typical indian meal box would feel although you know the ingredient some of the dishes that we were using were clearly not indian but it still sort to kind of begin feel like a format that people are used to mm-hmm. so that worked out quite well actually so locally we have a uh, uh, handful of office small office offices uh, including the uh, the us embassy by the way which which happens to be not too far from our uh, restaurant who nice. we count as us yes um so we have uh, we have staff from you know local uh, workplaces that are beginning to uh, show interest mm-hmm. and this was going on until february when you know clearly the pandemic uh, affected us and yes we have had uh, we've had a fairly it, it has impacted us fairly severely we've had a, a, a sharp slowdown in our revenues uh but equally it's also given us the opportunity to do a couple of things one is it has uh, reiterated our uh, uh confidence it, it has reiterated our um it, it has made us more confident uh, of our strategy to focus on meal boxes because i think uh especially when you're talking international cuisines trying to bring international cuisines it does help to sort of make it boring and day to day uh mm-hmm. because then you know going to tamo tamo shouldn't really be an occasion it shouldn't be a treat it should be there available every day and that's the way to scale up the other thing uh, that this uh pandemic has taught us and i i don't think we are alone in this it is it has given us the opportunity to try to uh understand what digital uh media can do for us social media can do for us uh admittedly we have not been you know we have not used it uh, as much as you know we probably should have uh but we have been to uh try to do better in that space now you mentioned uh, social media so walk me through what did you do differently did you start taking more pictures of the dishes did you start giving people updates of what would the mem- menus look like what were some of the things that you started to do differently so to just give you a little bit of back story um the, the my personal belief is that um that is true it so is a very bizarre at times <laughs> so i was actually quite, i was uh, i was actually we were actually quite reluctant and you know we actually tried to make our pictures boring and as real as possible uh mm-hmm. on 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 our instagram page when it started out uh perhaps you know perhaps you know we what we missed out in the process was that there is there is a bit of value in in uh making your food visually appealing on social media uh and and there is a bit of confidence also that we have that our food is actually good because we've had good responses so all, both of both those things mean that you know we're trying to make our pictures look a bit better now yeah it's amazing where you know how we feel about some of these platforms and how we have to use them as business owners and yes. marketers sometimes is a little bit different um but it i is. know exactly what you mean yeah with the pictures and how beautiful they should look even when i take a picture of myself i'm like ah, 
can I not do all the makeup and everything? That's not how someone would bump into me at the grocery store, <laughs> you know? So I, I completely understand what you mean. So when you were talking about the business, you were saying you were doing more of the cafeteria. You started to move towards doing delivery with businesses and then doing the um, kind of meal kits and boxes. Are you starting to see that people are buying the boxes kind of like you said as far as everyday life instead of it being a treat or do you still think that there's a little bit of time for people to make that transition just because of everything that's going on in the pandemic that you know there's so much uncertainty um or are, are you starting to see people settle down and realize that they really should be getting meal kits should be getting food delivered directly to them um that that is that is uh i i think i think April and May were probably the worst months when uh, people were probably the fear of quotient was at its highest. So uh, those are probably the worst months. Uh, I feel now that although the numbers are still going up world, uh, throughout the world in many parts of the world, I think people are a bit more at peace with it, uh, a bit more relaxed about it. So we are seeing an uptick in, 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 in the business. Um, this month, I mean, it doesn't quite compare to what the kind of numbers we saw in January and February, but you know, it's uh, the, the, at least the trend is, uh, is is in the right direction. Perfect, perfect. And then, what about feedback? How are you doing with getting feedback with your meal kits and so forth? Especially since you might have been used to that feedback when people were coming in and picking up food, but it's a little bit different now that you're doing delivery. Do you have or feel like you have a good feedback loop or how has that changed um, now, you know, post-pandemic? Um, I don't have, uh, we don't have much of a feel for it because the, the customers that we're actually getting now are the ones that were coming, uh, that, that were our customers even before the pandemic. So, oh, nice. okay. uh, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, very much the same set of customers, you know, many of whom we know on a first name basis. So it's, um, it's the same set of customers, and yeah, I mean, we do from time to time ask them if you know if we are still uh, managing to uh, keep the quality up, and th- most of the times it is. And you know, if they if they do have a problem with something, you know, they 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 do you know mm-hmm. uh, point it out to us, for which we are grateful. Yeah, and I just brought it up because for a lot of people, when they started to pivot their businesses, what they struggled with is how to keep that personal touch how to keep that personalization that they had like pre-pandemic now and post-pandemic. So that's more of um, why I asked that question, you know, because sometimes it's not just how you deliver your product, but it's also how you communicate with your your customers sometimes has drastically changed. Yeah. I I mean, I don't think that is necessarily applicable to us just because of where we are now in our journey. I don't think we are at the sort of size where, that is that is something we have to worry about now. Okay. But when I think of when I think of uh, the next phase of expansion, when we get bigger, it's something that does uh, that 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 does worry me. You know. Perfect. Okay. All right. Now we did have a question. Um, Arzu asked, um, what was the future of veganism in Turkey? I'm not sure if um, Arzu, if you'd noticed. Um, that our guest is actually in India. So I don't know if you want to talk about the future of veganism in India. If you know anything about Turkey, if you want to offer that as well, or anywhere in the world, we'd love to hear it as well. So I'll throw that question out to you. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid, you know, I'm not very familiar with, uh, with, with the scene in Turkey. 
uh, I, can, I can tell you about uh, the how I see things pan out in, in, in countries like India, where veganism is still very much at its infancy, and some of those some of those points might be applicable to Turkey as well. Right. Because um, yeah, so um, I think I think a lot of countries like India and perhaps even you know the Middle East and West Asia, and you know I don't think I'm I'm, I'm making a bad guess here. They appear probably about five years behind uh, the UK and the US uh, as far as veganism is concerned. And and when I say that, you know, I'm talking about awareness, I'm talking about uh, availability of products, I'm talking about the percentage of people who are, who are vegan. Um, specifically for, in so far as India is concerned, I don't think, uh, many people think that uh, India is uh, is is ready to, you know, embrace veganism just because we are such we have such a large percentage of vegetarians in this country that's unfortunately not quite true you know the challenges that you uh, one faces in in convincing a meat eater to give up meat uh, are very similar to the challenges that one faces in you know getting a vegetarian to give up dairy and and the dairy and meat industries are interlinked so you know yeah. uh, so um so yeah, the the challenges uh, are, are are very similar to the sort of challenges that you face in the West. But you know, the community is growing, and you know, I see India where the UK was five years ago, which gives me hope. And uh, I I won't say hope; it gives me confidence that you know, very soon, you know, we will uh, veganism will uh, go from being just a fringe movement to being somewhat uh, minor minor but uh, mainstream movement. Uh, the other thing with which I also see in India, and I don't know if this applies to Turkey or uh, you know the other countries in West Asia, mm-hmm. is there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, activists. Uh, th- there is there's some activists. There are some activists who also try to appeal to uh, the religious beliefs and 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 try to use that uh, that that faith to appeal to people's sense of compassion uh views are uh, clearly you know people have different views there's a lot of conflict in terms of you know whether you should actually be appealing to people's religious beliefs to uh, affect change uh, i for one believe that you know you should only be appealing to people's sense of compassion and justice and should keep religion out but being uh, religion being such a central part of uh, our lives here in india you know it's inevitable that things get mixed up yeah um, yeah, and it's interesting how different factors can influence people in different directions um, and the role that um, religion and beliefs can play. Even same thing um, here in the U.S. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of a tug of war and then sometimes there is an alignment. Um, so sometimes we just have to you know, see it play, see it play out. But I'm really excited about the work you're doing. And also I'm really excited about your creating meals that, to your point, that are naturally vegan, that are not necessarily the fake meats. And even earlier, you had mentioned to me that you weren't even using tofu in your boxes. And that was like a what for me, because most vegans heavily re, um, rely on tofu. So it's very interesting how you know the development of these meals, the development of what you're doing, um, you know, how... Um, how you're, you know, how you're approaching it a, a little bit, a little bit differently. Now you mentioned that you were doing falafels and so forth. Give me a little bit, maybe perspective on: Have you added other items to your menu? Are you planning to other add other items? Just give me some perspective um, on kind of maybe where the the future of your menus may be going. 
yeah so at the moment uh, at the moment is uh, mediterranean uh, and so you know we have lebanese and israeli so uh, falafel hummus and uh, pita bread are the mainstay of our meal boxes which is one of the products we have the uh, in when we think of uh, adding more products you know we are drawn to greek uh, the greek cuisine because that we feel again is something that uh, indians will uh, the indian customer will 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 uh, take to quite easily mexican because it's spicy uh, that that is uh, some, that is also another one on our radar uh, my personal uh, dream is also to have a japanese uh, vegan box yes uh, you don't care if i could just ask or japanese oh it's only because um, you don't come across too many vegan japanese restaurants there's there's just one of them in london uh, called itadaki zen which uh, we used to frequent and uh, there was uh, and we 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 liked the 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 sort of spin that they had on you know the, the sort of spin that they had on you know a japanese vegan meal you know the uh, you you have to be familiar with things like seaweeds you have to be familiar with their uh, sauces all of which are so different from you know the other flavors and the other tastes that we are normally used to so i think it uh, it will give uh, it will be a nice fresh spin on 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 uh, on on a vegan uh meal in terms of the flavors and tastes that it can bring. Yeah. I really I love Japanese cuisine. I have a large affinity for Japan. Um started when I was a kid and then I ended up getting a degree in Japanese and going to Japan. Okay. So um when anyone talks about veganizing um Japanese dishes, it's just like music to my ears. So it, it always perks me up. We definitely had a um another comment come in, but it was just a a good morning from David. So I guess we should just say Hi and good morning Hi. to David. <laughs> Glad he was able to join us. So as we wrap up our interview today, I guess I wanted to maybe ask if you had any advice for others out there, individuals who were thinking about considering kind of starting a meal kits or a meal delivery business. Any advice that you have for them or any recommendations as people are moving forward in their businesses and continuing to adapt because um i know the headlines in the us are getting scarier and scarier as the moment <laughs> goes on i don't know how um you know what the headlines are like where you are so a lot of business owners are really kind of feel like they're bracing for what may come next and i think sometimes it's nice to maybe hear what others who have pivoted and made changes through it what they see as the future or what some advice you might have for them uh, there're probably three things i would say and you know one is if you are a vegan uh, if you're if you're a budding vegan entrepreneur or you're a new vegan business um i think the a uh, a question which you have to honestly seek to find an answer to is uh whether you know i think i think for most small businesses you sort of want to get to a stage and i think this is true of businesses across various geographies you want to get to about 50 to 100 customers a day for you to be a meaningful business so and that's uh, that's that's a question i think you should seek to answer honestly your your path to getting to 50 to 100 customers i think should be your i think and, and i think that's when you know you can really realistically begin to call yourself a small business and in the context of veganism that can be much harder than you imagine 
before you start your business finding 50 to 100 customers is hard work so yeah. it pays to try to answer that question honestly before you set out to set a business or even if 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 you're in the middle of if you've already uh, started and you're you're still a very small business and you're trying to expand i think you know uh when when you put the question that way i think it forces you to think of ways to actually get to scale up to you know that sort of first stop that your business needs to get to uh the second thing that that i would say is that i think there's a lot of uh focus at the moment uh on mock meats uh on the uh plant alternatives for animal products like you know uh alternatives for milk alternatives for meat and so on uh and depending on where you are i think it sometimes there's a risk of getting carried away and thinking that 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 is solely the future um, for example with where where i run my business that uh, there are there are other things that have a better chance of working out like you know some of the products that we are focusing on like fluffers hummus and so on rather than mock meats uh, these products uh, they pretty much serve the, the same purpose that mock meats serve uh, which is to eliminate animal products from you know the the, the food chain so it pays it i think it helps to think of uh think beyond mock meats think beyond uh, uh alternatives plant based alternatives to existing animal based products the last thing i w- i would say is doesn't so much doesn't have so much to do with entrepreneurship but more with workplaces you know i would uh i would, I, I, i just want to take this opportunity to to encourage people to think of uh, formalizing themselves into groups in workplaces because and and I I want to say that because I've seen it work I've seen how it helps the cause I've seen how it raises awareness I've seen how it makes workplaces uh more friendly for vegans yeah i think that's i i love how you broke that down into those three pieces because um not only is it a little bit of advice that everyone can use um whether we're just individuals or whether we're business owners and i also love the focus on customers we talk about that a lot in our training um you know while i love the marketing and the bells and whistles and social media and email marketing and all that stuff is important i think sometimes we do lose sight of the fact that you really need customers and you need a certain number of customers to be able to say you're in business to sustain your business um and really just to to keep the business flowing um yeah. and working you know so i i really love that you you shared that advice i wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time thank you so much for staying up late um for oh, this man. session um, i really do appreciate well, that thank you so much for having me on Yep. And let's just make sure if anybody wants to get in touch with you, if anyone wants to pick your brain for ideas, if anyone wants to collaborate with you, um, how can they get in touch with you? Maybe give them their, your website, social media um, accounts as well. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to put that on chat or do I just say it to you? You can just say them. We'll have them in the sure. actual description as well, but won't we just say so them? So we are www.tamutamu.org. uh that's the website and uh if you the, the easiest way to find us is just to google tamu tamu chennai or tamu tamu india and you'll find us uh i'm at shiva at tamu tamu.in that's my email id you know um i have a lot of conversations with a lot of local uh vegan entrepreneurs uh i would be delighted to hear from you know any anyone listening in 
that is shiva at tamutamu.in uh, if you want to reach me on my email. Perfect. And if they want to follow you on Instagram, because you had mentioned Instagram, what's your Instagram yeah. handle? Tamu Tamu Chennai. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much once again for joining us today and taking the time. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. If you're watch- listening to this as our podcast, we always love comments, even if they come after we've been live. Um, we'll take a look at them and also pass them over to Shiva as well. So thank you once again. And we will be signing off now. Bye everyone. Thank you.